Thank you, Lord. Well, here we are. We're celebrating the birth of our Savior in church together as the body of Christ. On that particular day, we all know that this is not the real day, but this is the day that um, tradition has been chosen uh, to celebrate the incarnation of Christ. And we've been talking about that, you know, leading up to here. And the reason why that is such an important fact of history of who this person is changes everything. And just like the sign says behind, Emmanuel, God with us, is what it means. God with us. Not a man, not a good guy, not a good teacher, not a what, it was God. He was God in the flesh. You ever heard that saying that says that when you have a, an idea about something and it's kind of vague and it's, it's like, oh, I need more information and they use the term, I need to flesh that out. You ever heard that? And you think about that, the potential of that, that Jesus fleshed out God the Father. Jesus, in the flesh, showed mankind who God was. Jesus, towards the end of his life, as his, he was trying to confer his peace and the things that he was doing on his disciples, and they said, if you would just show us the Father, it would satisfy us. It would suffice. And he says, Thomas, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus is the exact replication of God our Father in heaven. And what a concept. You know, you look at the Old Testament, and we're going through the book of Hebrews right now, and we're seeing the God of the law and the God of holiness and just this fearfulness of it. And then we see Jesus born as a baby, meek and mild. You know, and we talked about last week, Jody saying that she was working at the um, Macy's, or Liberty House at the time, and all this, you know, decorations and all the to-do and people shopping and this and that. And and she said, all this for a baby. And then her co-worker, the black guy said, but oh, what a baby. You know, what a baby that is. Change the whole world. Change the whole world. The birth of this child. And this is an amazing story. And like I said, if, if this wasn't true, you'd have a hard time making a movie, a fictitious movie about something. Like people say, that's just too much. That's ridiculous. Get that out of here. But it all happened. That a virgin conceived. A virgin. She goes, how is this going to happen since I've never known a man? I never had relations with a man. She conceives by the Holy Spirit. Conceives a child, this holy seed that was promised from the Garden of Eden. It says, I'm going to put enmity between your seed and her seed. Speaking of Jesus Christ, right after the fall of mankind, we got a problem. We got a separation here. And God says, I got a plan. I'm sending a seed. I love what Tyler said about that, you know, uh, about the seed in an apple or an apple in a seed, the potential that's there. And God spoke to uh, the father of faith, Abraham. He says, look at the sky. Look at the stars. We were out there last night making a fire. And you can see the Milky Way. It says, milky white with stars. And he says, look at these stars, Abraham. Your seed will be like the stars of the sky. Guess what? If we've conceived by the Holy Spirit, we're one of those stars. We're one of those seed. Jesus Christ came into our heart, conceived us by the Holy Spirit, and we got born again. To be born again changes everything. Get born, uh, born twice, die once. Born once, die twice. There's a lot to that. It's in the Bible. It talks about it. It's a reality. If we truly were born again, we have been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And I want to you know, read this, you know, this is uh, 
Mary singing this. This is in the Gospel of Luke, who also wrote the book of Acts, which is the continuation of this gospel message. In verse 46 of the first chapter, it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies. This is called the Magnificent of Mary. She's so overwhelmed with this news that she's going to be the virgin that's going to birth the Messiah that she just recites this thing. And she's overwhelmed with the glory of this. And it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in the God my Savior. Mary needed a Savior? It says it right there. We all need a Savior. There's none righteous. No, not one. Not one of us was. Not the mother of the Lord was righteous enough to not need a Savior. Everyone needs a Savior because we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we need a Savior. Amen? Amen. He has regarded the lowly state of the, uh, his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their imaginations of their hearts. And he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. He remembers uh, remembrance of his mercy. He has spoken to our fathers and to Abraham and his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So this is when she went out and visited John the Baptist's mother. And she, this, this angel gives her this visitation and gives her this insights on what was going to happen. And, and she goes away, like I said. And you remember the reproach that our Lord carried because they were like, well, she wasn't pregnant when she left. And then she leaves and she comes back and she's several months pregnant. And she's saying that she's conceived by the Holy Spirit. I don't know about that. Because even Joseph, her husband, couldn't handle that one. But it was true. And she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Birthed this holy seed within her. Emmanuel. Something that from eternity, infinitum before, did not take place. But at this point, God conceived, uh, or the Holy Spirit conceived Christ in the womb of a virgin. And something new was taking place. And it rattled the world. And just like what Miko was saying, we're celebrating the birthday 2,022 hundred years later. And here we are. And, and it rocked the world. The book of Acts talks about the fact when this message went out about a person claiming to be the Son of God, singular, the only begotten, Emmanuel, that he took our sin upon the cross and he conferred his righteousness upon us. And not only that, raised from the dead, And said, this is for you. You talk about a gift. That was the greatest gift ever known to mankind right there. Eternal life. Eternal life. Life is fleeting. Life is short. It's a blip. I remember uh, Wayne Cadero saying, you go to a graveyard and you look at a gravestone. And it's some of these people, you, you, you know, you look at them and like, man, that is a short span. Some people, you know, little infants, child, uh, a, a kid, uh, a, a person in their teenage years, or even if they had a long span. And you look at those two dates and that little dashed line between it. That is the sum of our days on this earth and it's fleeting. But if we've accepted Christ, if we have a born again experience, we have eternal life now. And that was not possible unless Jesus came, unless he did. Because we're all sinners and there's nobody's going to work their way up to that. No way. 
There was no way. And he loved us that much. And he says, I love you and I'm going to do this for you. And if we ever question that love, because there's many things in this life that will challenge that reality. It'll challenge it. Does he really love me? Does he really love me? And we look at this story and we, we're like, he had to have loved me because he died for me. And he took this from me. And he took the reproach. He took the, the shame of, of all what had to come against him. And yet he went to the cross. And he says, I'm conferring this upon you if you have faith. And it's like, even his birth, it's such a nondescript. It's such a lowly thing. How could the Messiah, how could the king who created everything, how could the, the, the right, sitting at the right hand of God the Father here with him and the Holy Spirit at creation who created, it says there was nothing that was created that wasn't created through Jesus Christ. That's what the word of God says. He was co-equal with the Father. He didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. Something to be grasped. Uh, that's who I am. I was with him from the eternity. This isn't something new. That when I, that I came on the scene at this point, I existed with my Father from eternity past. We know nothing about that. But we do know that he's called the King of the Angels. We sang that this morning. That all the angels in their glory, they bow down to him and they worship him. And this plan of salvation comes. And I can't imagine the angels but just scratching their head like, you're going to do what? And he decides to come down here. And he says, not my will. It ultimately came to, not my will, Father, but your will be done. If this is the only way I can do it, my love goes to this degree that I'll sweat blood. To pay for their sins so that a way could be opened up so that these children can come back into my presence and share an eternal life that we had together from eternity. And that's what this is about. This is what this day is about. It's about that gift, the ultimate gift that Jesus Christ gave. In Luke's gospel, Chapter 2, I'm going to read this, it's very familiar. Most people read this on Christmas morning, Christians, they read this, it's just an overview of the, the, or a little snapshot of that magnificent thing, and the Word of God carries weight. So I'm going to read this from Luke's Gospel. This is a confirmation of prophetic scriptures. This is, a, this is a, a finally a, a resolution of things that were spoken cryptically in the Old Testament. And they're like, well, he's going to eventually send us a Messiah. But they really didn't understand it. And now it's just like you remember you had a Polaroid snapshot before. Back in the day, old timers remember that you would use a Polaroid camera and snap it. And then you would take it, peel it, and then go like this. And then all of a sudden, you look at the image becoming clearer and clearer and clearer. This day was growing closer and closer. And it's becoming clearer and clearer what the intention of God was. And this is what was happening at this point in chapter 2 of the Gospel of Luke. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to all the world should be registered. The Roman Empire was the ruling power in the world. And when they said do something, you did it. Right? And so everybody had to go back. This census took place while Quirinus was the governor of Syria. So all went to the registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph, who also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. He was the seed of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife. See, they weren't married yet. They were betrothed. They were engaged together, but they weren't married yet, right? Um, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. Thank you, Mika. <laughs> Thank you. 
his betrothed wife, verse 5, and was with child. So it was while they were there that the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Isn't that just so fitting? So fitting that the creator in the book of John, it says he came amongst his own and his own received him not. That the light came into the world and men didn't comprehend the darkness. Men were in darkness and they couldn't comprehend this light. That is the story of Christ. It's something that if by the casual observance, it goes, so what about that? Uh, A person giving birth in a manger somewhere in some uh, city of Bethlehem. So what? It was a prophesied event. It was an event that took place because God orchestrated the uh, parameters of that to say there's going to be a census. You guys live in Nazareth, but you're not going to stay there. You're going to go while she's ready to give birth. Get on a donkey, go 70 miles up and give birth in the city because that was what God prophesied about this. And and they did it. They did it. And you can imagine the, the, it's like, this is inconvenient. You're asking a lot of me, God. This is very inconvenient. Joseph was like, I don't know about this virgin stuff, about her saying that she's conceived by the Holy Spirit. Maybe I can just put her out secretly. And just says, you know, we're, we're, the marriage is off. The betrothal is off. You know, this story, I don't know, it's a little much. And then the angel comes to him and says, no, this thing is true. And he goes, okay, I'm in. I'm committed. All right, go to the census. She's, she's ready to give birth. Up country. He's ready to drop calf already. <laughs> ready to give birth. Get on a donkey and go 70 miles on a donkey. And give birth in that city. And, and then go there. And because everybody got to go back to their hometown. They're knocking on the doors. Is there any room here? It's like the Mary Monarch at Hilo, in Hilo. There's no room for nobody. Right? Everything's booked, man. Sorry. The creator of the world is about to be birthed. And there's no room for him to be birthed. You can go out by the animals over there. There's a place where you can go in a stable. And they went. And it wasn't the best uh, hospital in in Bethlehem. It wasn't the four-star hotel in Bethlehem. It was in very humble uh, means that this child was born. Did he tell everybody? Did he crack the skies at that point? Yes, he did. He told some shepherds that were out in the field. This is going to take place. This is going to take place. Verse 8. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. You know, whenever an angel or a manifestation of God shows up, man, there's fear. It's a fearful thing, you know. And it says, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Great tidings of great joy. Why? Why? Because the earth, we sing about it. It says they were were languishing in darkness. They're like, whoa. You know, I thought he was going to send a a, a Messiah. I thought he was going to send a deliverer. And it's just going on and on and on. And here it's taking place under the cover of darkness in a very obscure way. But these shepherds who are out in the field who are being watchful over their sheep. 
This for this is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Which a manger is translated like a food, or, or uh, like a place where you would put the fodder for the animals to eat. And suddenly there was an angel in the multitude of the heavenly host praising God saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. You know, in the book of Ephesians, it talks about we have a natural enmity against God because we got a flesh and a spirit thing going on in our hearts. And the natural condition of man is we're at war with God within. Did God really mean that? How could God say that? Does this really? And he says, I brought peace to your soul. I brought peace. I, I reconciled the thing that was out of order, that was disconnected. I reconciled that. And when we can just allow him a place in our heart, allow him a place in our heart, and he knocks on the heart and says, Lord, come in, come into my heart. That's being born again. That's being conceived of the spirit. That enmity at that point, that, that turmoil within our heart ceases. And in the book of Hebrews, it talks about a rest that we can enter into. We enter into that rest because it's not about me striving to be accepted by God. I already am accepted by God. It's an acceptance of what he's already done. And you can say, it's not about my performance. It's about what he did. And I accept that. And he says, I've accepted you as my son and my daughter. I accept you. You are beloved. You know, when Jesus got baptized, the Lord, he didn't even do anything. It's just, he's, he's in his, his, he didn't even start his ministry yet. He goes down and, and gets baptized as another confirmation. It says, Holy, the Holy Spirit hovers over him like a dove. And John the Baptist says, the one whom the Spirit comes on and alights upon, this is God's Son. And then a voice from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Didn't do no ministry yet. This is a fact. And it says we're accepted in the beloved if we have faith in what he did. It's not about performance. It's about faith. And this is a radical story. And we accept it by faith. That don't make common sense. Come on. Put that in a test tube and let's test this thing. Faith. It has to be accepted by faith. But we accept it by faith and it works. This thing works. Does it always go our way? Not Necessarily, anybody who's been a Christian that long knows this. But by tribulations, the things that we go to, it is developing godly character within us. That we retain our faith, even though we look at the evidence. I don't see evidence. I don't see it. It's a mess. Things are bad. A lot of resistance. But I have faith. I have faith in God. If I don't have this, I got nothing. We're hopelessly lost. Amen? Verse 15. And it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. And the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known, saying, which was told them concerning this child, and all those who heard it marveled and the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen, and it was told them. These 
lowly shepherds were there. Interesting side note, that very area, the pastures of Bethlehem, were the sheep's that were raised in that area were the animals that would be sacrificed in the temple to make atonement for the people before Christ's final sacrifice. The same, the, the metaphors are just astounding. Jesus, born in the town of Bethlehem, which translates the house of bread. I love bread. I just made some bread for a party that we had. I love bread. And, and Jesus, even in the, the, the uh, tabernacle, one of the things that they would have before the presence of the Lord were 12 loaves of fresh bread. They love the, the smell of fresh bread. It's sustenance. It's life-giving. It's, it's, it's uh, Jesus, they, they were harassing him. They said, our fathers, what are you going to do for us? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. What are you going to do for us? He says, I was that bread that fed you all those years. They go, what are you talking about? He says, I was the bread that came down from heaven and gives you. If you feed on me, you will never hunger. If you drink the water that I give, you'll never thirst. Everything else will pale in comparison. Water is much better when you're really thirsty than Coke. Right? Water is what you want when you're really thirsty. Jesus is the water of life. He is the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He brings, he dispels darkness. He brings understanding to a confusing situation. He offers us hope in a hopeless time. He is our hope, amen? I love, you know, we, we kind of mix up these stories. Gretchen and I always go around with this, and I said, oh, I'd really like to do a background up here with the wise men coming with the camels and the whole thing. And we romanticize the whole thing, and we know if we're accurate to the story, they did not visit Jesus in Bethlehem. They went back to Nazareth and he says it was the young child, the child. But what happened was there was a, uh, Daniel went to Babylon and he was cavorting there. He, he attained to this, this place of honor and he was over the satraps and the magi and all these, you know, their, their pronosticators and all these people. He was the head guy over there and I don't think they really liked that, but Daniel had godly wisdom and favor. And I'm sure he shared this message. There's going to be a king. There's going to be a savior. And he's talking about these things to these people in Babylon. And these stargazers, they're looking at the heavens. And the Bible talks about the facts that I put the stars in the sky for signs and seasons and wonders. It's there. It's been corrupted with astrology. But God was the one who originally put the sun, the moon, and the stars up there for signs and seasons and times. Right? And so they're talking with Daniel. And somehow they looked at this planet and that planet. And there was a conjunction. And they go, there's going to be a king born. We're seeing it in the star. We've seen the star in the east. And there's all, you can go to planetariums and they can run the clock backwards and say that there was a conjunction of planets. And who knows if that's what it was. Or it was just something special that God did. But there was a sign in the heavens that said, this is something. And they got on their horses or their camels or whatever. And it wasn't just three guys. They said every, every indication that I've seen, it was a massive troop of people. It says, we've come to give homage to the newborn king, to the king of Israel. And they go to the house and it's a little child. God's firstborn son, Emmanuel, God in the flesh. God in the flesh, this, this massive troop. It got Herod's like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Who's challenging my kingship? Didn't you know that the king has been born there? King, I'm the king in Israel. What's all this about? A king has been born. 
What do they say? Where is he supposed to be at? Well, he said he's going to be born in Bethlehem. So they go off on their trek. But we already know he went from Bethlehem. He's up in Nazareth. And they go outside and they look at the star. And the star guided him right to the house. Boom, there he was. And as you can imagine, this entourage, camels and, and horses and wise men and these people dressed in robes and coming in with a, with a gift of gold and frankincense and myrrh and laying it at this child's feet and saying, Hail, the king of the Jews. And these people from a totally foreign land, they're not Jews, they're, they're from a different country and they're acknowledging the birth of this child. Wise men, wise men still seek him are we wise do we see not everybody sees this not everybody esteems this but it's the truth it did happen it's historical and he died for our sins and he rose again and he confers that righteousness upon us if we have faith Chapter 2 in Matthew. Let me just go over this real quick. It says, And now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king, and his, uh, he was troubled at all Jerusalem with him. If it was just three guys, what's the big deal? It was, must have been something pretty impressive. And they had all gathered, all their uh, chief priests and the scribes and the people together and inquired of them, where is this child to be born? And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea. And thus it is written in the prophets, but you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, for you are least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd the people Israel. And Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined... From them that at that time the star appeared and set from Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for this child, and when you have found him, bring it back to me, uh, that I may come and worship him. He was not being uh, straight up. When they heard the king, excuse me, when they heard the king, they departed, and the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Sounds like kind of a particular star. You know, probably saw a conjunction of planets or whatever, but as soon as they went on their journey, when they got to the specific place, all of a sudden this star just starts traveling like that. I don't think a star up in the heavens can do that. Right? I don't think this was on ancient aliens either. <laughs> and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child, Mary, his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him uh, to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country and went another way. So Herod was saying, when you find the child, come back over here because I want to go worship him. And they're like, no, 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 no. The angel told us you have bad intentions. And so they just went away their other way. And then we know that the story goes on. That they were, Joseph was warmed in a dream. They're going to try and kill this child. And all that gold and the frankincense and the myrrh, they gathered that up and they got, and they went by night and they went out and they lived in Egypt. And I'm thinking that these gifts here was what sustained them in that time. And then finally, towards the end of that, an angel came and says, the persons that you were in fear of have died. You can go back home now. And there was another prophecy that says, out of Egypt, I have called my son. 
I thought he was from Bethlehem. Now you're saying he's out of Egypt. He was both. These prophetic scriptures are cryptic, but when they come to fruition, we understand. Oh, I see. He was called out of Egypt. Was it Abraham called out of Egypt? Was it Moses called out of Egypt? I asked pastor, what's up with Egypt? The cradle of civilization. The, the, the apex of, of, of the ancient world. The pyramids. The modern wonders that they built. It says that, that Moses was uh, taught in the ways of the Egypt. Is skillful in speech. Taught in all the knowledge that was there. They looked to Egypt like, whoa. You know. But it's also a metaphor for the world. Called out of the world. When I call this, these people sitting in this building the church. Because the people who populate this building are the church. The word church means the ecclesia. The ones that are called out from the world. You've been called out of Egypt. When you heard this voice. I'm not going to follow the ways of the world. I've been called out. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. We are different than the world. We're holy people. We're a kingdom of priests. A holy nation. We have a... We have a it says about Abram. If Abraham didn't leave his home and just shut the door and says, Okay, I'm moving on. I'm not going to do the way the things the world does. And he says that he looked to a, hev to a heavenly city whose founder and maker is God. And if he didn't jettison his former conduct, he would have had reason to return. It's too hard. It's discouraging. I might go back. I want to go back. You can't go back. There's nothing for us in Egypt. We look forward at a great hope. And you know what? This story even gets more amazing, just like what Pastor Tyler was saying. The prophetic scriptures that are being filled right now. Right now. Triple the amount of what was talking about his first coming. I like those shepherds in the field. They were watching. There's plenty of scriptures that says about this. Be watchful. Be watchful. Be prayerful. Keep your eyes because I'm coming back. At such a time as you do not expect. But I'll give you a lot of clues leading up to it. But I'm not going to tell you the day or the hour. But I am coming back. And that's part of the gospel. He's not going to leave us here. He's not going to leave us in this mess. He already inhabits our heart. But he's going to take us to a heavenly home that will blow doors off of whatever we've known or seen and, and, and experienced here. Amen? Amen? That's the promise. That is his promise. And God ain't a man that he should lie. We've been waiting, God. We're, we're waiting. We're weary. We're pining. We're pining. He's going to come. He will come. Amen. Yeah. In closing, let me read this. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys go home early. I pray that this was a, something to meditate on in this special day. This is in Romans 5. It says, therefore, having been... Well, let me read from uh, chapter 4, verse 25. He was delivered up because of our offenses, and he was raised up because of our justification. That means he went to the cross without the incarnate, without the uh, sinless incarnation of God in the flesh, there is no resurrection. So Jesus had to come first as a baby, live his life, do his ministry, proclaim the, the message of his father, say what he was going to do, and then do it. And then this, it picks it up in Romans 4, 25. Who was delivered up because of our offenses. He didn't do anything wrong. He never did. Even under examination before the cross. Pilate, I found no fault in this man. All these testimonies are conflicting. I, I can't see that he did anything wrong. What do you want me to do with him? Crucify him. Because he had to die on our behalf. That was what he was born to do. 
And he went to the cross willingly for on our behalf. He was delivered up because of our offenses and he was raised up because of our justification. Justification means that God looks at us now in faith in Christ just as if we've never sinned. Just as if we've never sinned. What? Talk about a Christmas present. Yeah, but I know myself. I screw up and I do this and I do that. We go to him and say, Lord, I, 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 I have by faith accepted what you've done. I want to reflect you more accurately. Help me, Lord. Help me in my weakness. Amen. By my, your strength is developed in my weakness. Yeah. I can't do this on my own. I need you. I will help you. I will help you have faith in what you, th- that is the game changer right there. I'm telling you, man, I got to remind myself of that. The game changer is I stand justified now, not based on performance, but on what Jesus did. And he says, come son. And and I think that when we screw up and we come in faith, it gives him glory. Look at somebody actually putting it into practice, what I did, what it cost. And they're coming despite how they feel because it ain't about our feelings and our feelings are very fickle. Amen? Amen? Believe me, I know. (laughs) that's the fight right there that is the fight it's about feelings I don't feel forgiven I don't feel like a son do you believe you're a son because he said so I've tried help me Lord help me I believe Lord help my unbelief I think that's a valid prayer I believe Lord help my unbelief Help me to believe this outrageous story because it's true. Right? What a gift. What a baby. (laughs) He didn't stay a baby. He became a man. The man that took all the world's sins upon himself. It goes on in Romans 5. It says, therefore, for this reason, having been justified by faith... We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into His grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We're still hoping for this. We're hoping. I I got born again. I felt that that love of God poured out of my... There was an experience. There was a conception. But I'm in process. And it's been hard. It's been tough. But I'm going to keep my eyes out. I'm going to say I'm hoping for this. And not a hope that ah, it might happen. No, there's still something to be attained in this life. The resurrection of the body. The presence of us in the flesh being totally taken away from the power and the presence of sin and living in God's presence where we were made to be. Not only that, verse 3, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Really? Do we glory in tribulations? I mean, it's over and over and over. So this is the building of the bustles. Everybody wants to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but nobody wants to pump the iron. (laughs) We must get pumped up. We glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, perseverance means being able to handle stressful, hard conditions over a long period of time. Heather knows perseverance. She did a lot of hikes with a rucksack on. 
beak of those. <laughs> Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out on our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, born again. The Holy Spirit conceived, given to us. Something changed. We're still growing. We're still in process. We haven't not attained. We're stumbling along the way, but we keep in our eyes on the Lord because everything else is paling in comparison. Amen? And you're here this morning on a Christmas morning to hear the power of the Word of God that has the ability to conceive, seed, and bring faith to fruition and a new life can be born today. Amen? In closing, Romans 8, my favorite chapter in the Bible. And we know, this is verse 28, very familiar. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are the called according to his purposes. Have you heard his call? Are you like one of the shepherds who heard the call and says, I got to go see this. I got to go see this wonder. For whom he foreknew, he knew us. He also predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son that we might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. What does that mean? That Jesus, as he came in the flesh, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, took on a body of flesh, and he lived a life of righteousness in the flesh, not a spirit, not an angel, but a man. He was a man God in the flesh. And it says... Jesus Christ is the firstborn, the first of this prototype, the first of this type amongst many brethren, amongst the seeds of the, the stars in the sky. It's not for a select few. It's for as many as would believe this eternal life now. What a gift. What a gift. But it must be received. This is the time of gift giving. What if somebody came up to me? Pastor Jay, I got a gift for you. And I go, no, no, no. Uh, I'm not receiving any gifts. We have the option. I know that this has been preached many times, and I did it. I, I remember I put, I, I think, a $20 bill or something wrapped up, and I pulled it out from underneath there. And it says, who wants to receive this gift? And I think it was Lonnie almost ran up here and grabbed it. She knew. She knew the, the, the trick. I'm not going to be proud and say, well, I don't know. It might not be for me. Uh, it might be a trick. It might, it might be toilet paper or something. It was, it's, no, that's yours. Here, give it. That's a good gift. That's a good gift. Hey, I see one guy going in the supermarket or in the stores in Walmart during the Christmas season. And he's acting all gangster. You know, he's going in there. And he goes up to this, these, uh, you know, these women that look like they're kind of having a hard time. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to buy whatever your kids want for Christmas. And they're like, for real? He goes, for real. Really? Yeah, I'll buy whatever they want. And so the, the, the girl goes up and she goes, well, uh, it was Spanish, so she's speaking in, in, in Spanish. And then she goes, well, she wants this doll. And, and he goes, okay. So she grabs this doll, puts it in the cart. What else do you want? She's like, isn't that enough? And, and it just goes. And that cart was stacked by the time this thing was over. And he ran her up to the counter and he paid for everything. How much boldness do we have? To receive from God. How much nerve do we have to say, he paid for that. I remember that happened to me one time. I went to the toy store with my uncle, daddy. Whatever you want in here, I'll buy it for you. 
I go, well, I like those two little cars over there. And that's what I took, two little cars. And I was happy with it. But what if he paid for the whole package? I could have took the cars, the racetrack. I could have took this and that. And I didn't want to be greedy, but he was, he was making the offer. Lavish offer. What about eternal life? What about peace of mind? What about love? What about joy? What about healing? What about all these things? And we have the nerve to say, he, he gave this to me. And we activate it by faith. Amen? We activate it by faith. Do we have the audacity to say, he's not a liar. He's true. Even though my circumstances didn't light up at this point, I'm going to believe because that's what he said. It has given us the grace. Grace is God's empowerment to do the impossible things. It's not to be living, uh, stumbling around and making the same stupid mistakes again. Oh, I'm just a little worm. It's an empowerment to say, I'm a son. Jesus paid for this. I am of the, I'm a firstborn. I'm a prototokos. I'm like Jesus because he empowered me to be. That's really what this is about. That's why we're gathered here on Sunday morning. That's why we heard the message and it stirred our hearts. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your amazing, amazing gift. It says this in Romans 5, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more by the grace of God, and the gift by the grace one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came to, to one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which comes from many uh, offenses results in justification. So that means when Jesus gave this gift, it was a one-time thing that we accept. And we have caused a lot of offense, but we accept it. And then when we receive that gift, we're conceived by the Holy Spirit. We have a new life with Christ. Amen. I want to pray this morning that this was the day we celebrate the birth of Christ. Whether that's accurate in history, we know that. But what about if this was the day that you said in your heart, I need that gift. That sounds like a pretty good offer. Amen. Amen. So we're going to pray right now.